May these words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. The word of the Lord that we consider together this morning is today's gospel in John chapter 2. It's not the way that we usually picture Jesus. His voice is raised. A stern expression darkens his face. A whip is flailing in his hand as animals are scattering and merchants are scurrying out of the way. Tables are being flipped over and the coins that were on them are clinking and rolling on the pavement. Would Jesus appear like that if he came to our church today? What caused those unusual actions of Jesus that day at the temple? It was near the Passover, a yearly religious festival in which many, many Israelites came to the temple in Jerusalem. God had designed the Passover to be a time of meaningful worship. The people looked back to the time that God had spared the lives of their firstborn sons when he led them out of slavery in Egypt. God also was pointing them ahead to the sacrifice of his one and only son to free them and us too from our sins. But it was nearly impossible for anyone at the temple that day to give God their attention. The place where God's people would gather to hear God's word and to pray had become filled with chaos. Merchants were selling animals for the people to sacrifice. Just try to picture that scene. The buying and the bellowing of the animals, the merchants' voices being raised in hopes of making a sale, and there were money changers there to help people get the correct coins for the necessary offerings, Then they didn't always charge honestly. And then add in the aroma of pens full of animals in the area. And imagine for just a moment that that is what you would be seeing and hearing and smelling as you sit in church this morning. Would you be able to give God the attention of your heart and your mind in a place like that? No wonder Jesus was upset. His father's house was being horribly mistreated. Selfish human beings were preventing God's plan to bless his people. A faithful son who loved his father did what he had to do. He made a rope out of whips and he cleared away the distractions and the dishonesty so that his father's house could be a place of worship for God's children. Jesus' intensity that day seems to have startled his disciples. And then they remembered a psalm verse from Psalm 69. Zeal for your house will consume me. Why did such zeal consume Jesus that day? It was because he wanted God's children to be able to come home to their Heavenly Father 
He wanted them to know God's love and his mercy. The Savior also wants us to be able to be at home in our Heavenly Father's love. We know that that is something that we are not worthy of. Because God is holy and sinless, and we are not. God demands holiness of us, but we have failed in that. And we dare not try to approach him on our own. In today's first Bible reading, the Israelites were gathered around Mount Sinai. When God's voice spoke the Ten Commandments to them, and the top of the mountain was covered in clouds and fire and smoke, and the ground beneath them was trembling and shaking. And God had warned them not to come too close. If they did, they would die. As you and I came to God's house today, there was no fence warning us to keep a proper distance. Instead, our Heavenly Father welcomes us into his presence to gather around his word and sacrament. Why does God welcome us sinners into his presence, even inviting us to approach the altar? It is because of the zeal of Jesus. He was zealous to accomplish the work of saving us. He humbly came, making himself one of us. He faced Satan's temptations and overcame them all. Never once did he follow Satan's suggestion that he could skip weekly worship and still be fine. He did not allow his mind to wander while God's word was being proclaimed and as he prayed. He didn't go to church just because Mary and Joseph told him that he had to. Instead, he was filled with zeal to gladly hear and learn God's word. He, of course, didn't need to do that for himself. He did that for us. He was perfectly fulfilling what we have not done and cannot do. And then he died for our failures to offer God the worship that he is worthy of. He accepted the blame of our failures to gladly learn and to live by God's word. And we know what our guilt would have done to us. It would have excluded us from God's presence and sent us to eternal suffering. And our Savior was zealous, so zealous for our salvation that he was willing to experience even that for us. That day at the temple, the Israelite religious leaders wanted to see a miracle that would show his authority to do those things in the temple area. So Jesus said, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. The temple building in Jerusalem was right in the middle of a 46-year rebuilding project. It was a large and expensive and ornate building. How could someone knock it down and build it back up in just three days? That would have been easy compared to what Jesus was promising to do. He was speaking about the temple of his own body. They could knock it down and destroy it by death, which they would do. And he promised that he would raise his body back to life on the third day, 
which he did. Jesus was zealous to do that too. Zealous even to suffer for our sins. To be forsaken by his heavenly father. Zealous to die and rise again. So that you and I may be God's forgiven and redeemed children. And isn't that why we worship him? It is our privilege to thank and to praise him for his saving work to rescue us from sin and death. We also come to God's house for God to assure us of the good news of his saving love in Christ. That good news that strengthens and sustains our faith, our faith that is under Satan's attack every day. Do we come with zeal to God's house? Or do we sometimes forget how much we need the gifts that God has for us as we gather in his house? Do we ever make God's house into a marketplace? What I mean is this. Do we ever think of worship as something that we must give up so that hopefully we will receive something? Lord, if I give you an hour in worship, you'll make the rest of the week go better, right? Or Lord, if you cure my illness, I promise I will come to your house more often. If we think of worship as a bargain, then we might start to become a little impatient if the service lasts a little longer than we think it should. Or we might feel a little bit more zeal for what we're planning to do the rest of the day once church is done. God doesn't ask us to bargain. In fact, what do we have to bargain with? We have nothing to bring to him but our weakness and our sins that we confess to him with repentant hearts. God is the one who serves us in worship. That's why we call it a worship service. That God is pouring out his undeserved love, that he is setting a feast of forgiveness and mercy, his truth to guide us, his love to empower our faith. And he says, come, this is for you. He creates in us the zeal to gladly come to his house. And I am thankful that you are here today. And as we are here, Satan works to try to diminish our zeal. There are so many distractions that can pull our thoughts away from our Savior. Do we sometimes confess our sins without really confessing because we weren't thinking about the seriousness of our sin? Does the amen at the end of the Lord's Prayer sometimes corral our wandering thoughts back from who knows where? We can't stop every distraction, but we can stop some. No one has to read the pictorial directory during a hymn or the sermon. An alert on our phone or our watch, that can most often wait till after the service. We want to bring God our best in worship. He's worthy of that. Our focused and careful attention. If we just put in our time and carelessly allow our minds to wander, what are we saying that God is worth to us? 
or online worship can be a good thing. But if we would regularly choose that because it's easier or more convenient, can we as easily give God our full attention and allow him to bless us as fully with his powerful word? Our zeal might be diminished if the music or the pastor's preaching style is not our preference. But then we remember that worship is not about us. It's about the one that we worship. Even if a hymn isn't your favorite, even if you don't like to sing, let your voice proclaim the saving works of the Lord. Even if you can't hit all the right notes, God will be praised and others will be blessed. The Lord is worthy of our zeal for his house. What if Jesus walked into our church this morning? Well, he's here, present, with zeal for his Father's house. He is at work with zeal as he forgives our sins, as he gives us life in his name for now and forever, as with his love he quiets our fears and gives us peace to live and die in faith, as with his holy supper, he nourishes our faith and equips us to serve him. He is most worthy of our zeal for his house. Zeal for God's house. See it in your Savior and show it in your worship. God bless your worship. Amen.